Hey, how's it going? My name is Stephen Marks and welcome to the Spirit and Truth podcast. My purpose with all of these teachings is to equip you with the word of God and help you understand your authority, your power, your victory and mission as a believer in Jesus Christ. So you go from glory to glory and victory to victory by the power of Holy Spirit who lives in you. So enjoy, God bless and let's get our generation saved. Welcome to episode 7 to understanding and walking in the power and authority of Jesus. By now, I'm really praying that these things are are just flipping your world upside down. I know when I started walking in understanding of these truths, my whole life changed. Like people don't realize being a Christian is so much fun when when you realize that when God is for you, no one can be against you. You know, it just it changes everything. And today is such a special episode. It's one of my favorites. And uh, this, is, this is just so cool. So we're going to get straight into it. Here's the point for today. What is yours because of Holy Spirit who is in you? All right. That's the question. What is yours? Or maybe understanding what is yours because of Holy Spirit who is in you? Okay. So we talked about it before. Holy Spirit's not a vapor. He's not a messed up weird thing in the corner. He's a person. He's the third person of the Godhead, right? He's just as much God as Father and Jesus, and he dwells inside of you. And people need to start understanding that. But check it out. We're pressing into what is yours as a, res- as a result of Holy Spirit being in you. And yesterday's episode was all about the fact that the anointing or the power and presence of Jesus, Holy Spirit, in other words, dwells in you, abides in you, and he needs to be teaching you. So that's like your first thing. All right. The fact that w- what's yours, you've got a teacher, you've got a helper, you've got a counselor, you've got an advocate. That's Holy Spirit. He's in you. He's supposed to be teaching you all things. Right. So now go with me to Second Peter uh, one, and we're going to start in verse three. This is what it says. Listen, he, okay. His divine power, which is Holy Spirit, divine power, right? His divine power has granted, that's past tense, to us who believe all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Jesus, who called us who believe to his own glory and excellence or virtue, right? By which he has granted, again, past tense, to us his precious and very great promises, plural, so that through them you and me may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. When I read this for the first time, my entire life flipped upside down. I don't care who you are. That that is deep, right? Second Peter 1 verse 3 to 4. Yeah, 1 verse 3 and 4. It's insane. So let's break it down. His divine power. We have divine power living inside of us. You can no longer say, you know, was that just me saying that or was that Holy Spirit? More often than not, it's Holy Spirit, right? His divine power lives in us. We're not so powerful that we're just constantly overpowering divine power, right? If it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, then heck, it's more the divine power operating in me than me, right? We've got to get an understanding that we aren't as powerful and amazing as we think we are. 
The only reason anything is happening in us is because of Christ in us. So the more you become so Christ aware, so God aware in your life, the more powerful you'll be for the kingdom of heaven. That's just the reality. So when people are like, oh, you're arrogant. No, you're not. You're just confident in the living God who dwells inside of you. That doesn't mean you say, I heal the whole time. It's no, watch, God is going to heal you in the name of Jesus. As I lift you up, be strong and walk. That's what it is. You're confident in your God because you read his word, you walk in his ways and you keep his statutes. That's what the Bible says it takes in order to walk in the power and glory of God. It's amazing. And when you do, he takes you up and only up. He makes you the head and, the, and never the tail. Right? You go from glory to glory and victory to victory, strength to strength. He establishes you. He takes you up. Though you fall, you'll never fall headlong. Like he's always with you. He's your deliverer. He's your healer. He's your protector. He guides you in all truth. That's what all of this has been about, right? Check it out. He has granted to us. I love that. It's past tense for a reason. We need to understand the moment Christ took care of everything on the cross 2,000 years ago, it granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. That's Christ, Jesus, who called us to his own glory and excellence. So back then, when Christ got crucified, just that one situation granted to us because the temple, the veil was torn. So now the living God can dwell and interact with us on a daily basis. All things that pertain to life and godliness. Why? Because God came. Jesus came that we might have life and life to the full. Right? He is for our advancement. He's for our life. He's for our dominion here on earth. Because that's how he created us. To steward, to take dominion, to multiply, to increase, to be blessed and be a blessing. That is honestly why we're created. So check it out. Through the knowledge of him, knowledge of Jesus Christ, right? Being the Messiah. Okay, who called us, who believe, to his own glory and excellence. What the heck does that mean? It means Jesus calls you and me to his level of glory and his level of excellence or virtue or power or holiness is what he's saying. Because when he healed the woman with the issue of blood, he said, I perceive virtue has left my body. So in the same way, you should perceive virtue, leave your body or anointing or the power of God, leave your body when you minister. And it's amazing when that happens, you get to taste a little bit of what they encounter and they go bang down out under the power of God or they get filled with the Holy Spirit and they start laughing. And, and it's just such a joy and thanks gets given to God and there's glory. Everyone's excited. Everyone's praising God. And, and it's just it's amazing. It's pure. It's holy and it's righteous and it's a joy and a delight to see. And he calls us to that level of glory and excellence, right? Verse 4. By which, okay, because of the knowledge of him who calls us to his glory and excellence, by which he has granted, again, past tense, to us his precious and very great promises. What does that mean? It means the moment the veil was torn and God came and dwelt among us, dwelt in us who believe, we receive every single promise from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and so on. It comes to us because we're blessed along with Abraham, right? Galatians 3 says we are blessed along with Abraham, the father of faith. Okay, I'm actually going to read it. Galatians is super deep. Look at this in verse 29. Galatians 3 verse 29. If you are Christ's, 
then you are Abraham's offspring and heirs according to the promise. In other words, you inherit the promise of Abraham, right? You inherit the promise of Abraham the moment you become a Christian. And what does that mean? You might be like, oh, well, that, that sounds great, but what the heck does that have to do with me? You, you want to know what some of the promises of Abraham are? Go have a look just at Deuteronomy 28, verse 1 to 14. Those aren't the promises of Abraham. Those are what happened 430 years after Abraham was on the scene. This is when the law was out and it was just for, hey, if you obey me, if you walk in my way, these blessings will come upon you. Right? The promises of Abraham is, I promise to bless you. I promise to take you higher. I promise to multiply you. I promise to bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. Like That's way in the beginning. We're talking Genesis. Back then, those promises attained to you and me. And you can watch them come to pass in your life. Because now that you're a Christian, you understand, oh, these promises actually apply to me. Now you can go and find them. And reading the book of Genesis isn't the most boring thing in the world because you realize this applies to me. It's half the reason so many Christians are weak, useless, and pathetic in their walk is because they don't understand what's theirs. You see, the first test, the first, uh, sorry, the New Testament teaches you who you are in Christ. The Old Testament is now that you know who you are because you've read the New Testament, now you can find out what's yours because you're in Christ or because you know who you are. Because you know who you are, now find out what's yours. The Old Testament is all the promises that you discover of, of what's yours because of who you are. You're now a member of Israel. Go read Deuteronomy 7. It talks about a chosen people, God being for you, God protecting you, God providing for you, God establishing you as a holy people, holy unto himself. That is what God is all about, right? So those are the very great promises. So that through those promises, you and me, who are believers in God, might become partakers of the divine nature now it's not a joke it's not saying oh yeah once we get to heaven you know how many of you know we're going to put off these old bodies and then we're going to be no now you can be partakers of the divine nature that's what he's saying and this might sound loopy you might be like this guy is whack but it's true it's absolutely true and it's not me who's saying it it's the word of god that you may become because of the knowledge of jesus because of the promises that can be activate activated in your life you become a partaker of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. In other words, we don't operate like the rest of the world, which is why one of the points that I wanted to make here, um, not today, but I think in the past, has been the fact that you're a different breed. You're not like the rest of the world. You're a totally different person once you're in Christ. You're a new creation, set apart, holy, for his possession, a chosen people. Right? That's who you are when you're a believer in Jesus Christ. You're a partake of the divine nature because it's no longer you who live. It's Christ who lives in you. And what is he? He is holy. He's set at the right hand of God. Go with me to 1 John uh, 4.17. says this, By this is love perfected with us, so that we may, you and me who believe, we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he or Christ is, so also are we in this world. Where is Christ? As he is, okay? We need to find out how he is. How is he? He is seated at the right hand of God. Every single name that is named, every power, every dominion, every authority, every principality is under his feet. They are below him 
and I am in him. I'm the body of Christ. What does that mean? Every dominion, every authority, every power, every principality is under my feet and can't do anything about me. Satan is nothing. He's useless. He cannot appeal to me. He is pathetic. There's nothing he can possibly do to take me down because it's impossible for someone like him to curse who God has blessed. That's me. That's you who believe we are blessed by the Most High God because we have the Spirit of God living inside of us, right? We're blessed by the Most High God. Too bad, Satan, you can't do anything about it. The reality is the world's going to try and convince Christians, no, actually, that's not who you are. You, you, sometimes, you know, oh, there's all these other excuses. No, what does the Word of God say? As He is, as Christ is seated at the right hand of God, so also am I in this world now by faith. Thank you, Jesus. I receive it now. I walk in that power. I walk in that authority. And I will administer exactly what you did in your ministry to this hurting world. That's our responsibility as Christians, as believers who want to walk in the same authority and power of Jesus, which is what you're called to do. It literally says these signs will follow those who believe. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. They'll drink deadly poison and not die. They will speak out in other tongues. They will prophesy. They will, uh, what was the other one? Speak out in other tongues. I think I've already said that, right? They'll cast out demons in my name. That was the other one. Those are the qualification. Those are the fruit that are, are um, not, not expressed. That, that, that's the fruit that is present in the life of a believer. You might be like, oh, well, I've never done any of those. Well, then start pressing in. Start asking for more because the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. It also says that if we ask for more of the Holy Spirit, Father is willing and able to give you more. Right? And if you lack wisdom, you're called to ask and ask in faith because God will give generously to those who ask. Right? So we need to start asking. We need to start pressing in. We need to start doing it. Half the reason we have such a problem. This is not my quote. This is from Smith Wigglesworth. He said half the reason we have a problem in the church today is because people get filled with the Holy Spirit or become believers, get filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they wait, like wait, 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 wait for more of the Lord. When really they need to go out. It says, go ye for, go ye therefore and be witnesses to the end of the world. Once you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to be taught by Holy Spirit. You just need to go and preach the gospel. You need to go lay your hands on the sick. You need to go cast out demons. Go, go, go. Because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. You've got absolutely nothing to worry about. All the devil can do is smoke and mirrors. That's it. So if it's easy for you, close your eyes and minister. It'll probably be easier to hear the voice of the Lord that way. At the end of the day. Because it's difficult to do anything to you. Right? Did you think about it. Peter got locked up. They prayed. That day, phew, prison doors shaken open. Peter rocks up at the house and they, they're so shocked. Thought it was an angel. That's what I'm talking about. So I pray that that blesses you in the mighty name of Jesus. Realize you're a partaker in the divine nature that as he is, so also are you in this world now in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I'll see you tomorrow. Have a blessed day in the mighty name of Jesus and go and walk in the authority and power that Jesus has called you to. Be blessed.